Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Here we are at midweek, and, of course, the big story continues to be the coronavirus outbreak, and we'll continue talking about that. We're going to have with us today Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We'll see if the virus is impacting our meat exports. We're also going to talk with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. We have WASDE numbers out uh, yesterday. We'll talk about those and look at the uh, impacts of the virus on trade. And Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers will join us. He has the latest sales numbers for ag equipment. We'll be taking a look at the just-released February numbers. So all that coming up on today's program. Again, glad you're with us. We appreciate it. Let's start things off by going to Washington, D.C. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report, who I believe is getting ready to cover a congressional hearing. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Uh, what are you covering today? Uh, I'm covering the, the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration appearing before the House Agricultural Appropriations Subcommittee. I have to admit that I think he's going to be asked mostly about the coronavirus and medical matters, and there won't be much attention to food. But you never can tell, so I will have to be watching him. I know you've been tra- uh, flying and traveling. I think you just came across the country. Uh, what was it like uh, on your flight? Uh, did you see a lot fewer people? Uh, yes, there were a lot fewer people. In fact, I was, uh, I was flying on Delta from Los Angeles to Washington uh, yesterday, and I had a very cheap ticket, and I still got upgraded to first class. And the reason for that is that when I looked back at the, uh, uh, you know, coach section of the plane, I think only about one-third of the seats were full, uh, which is very unusual uh, these days. Uh, I tried to be conscientious about touching things and washing my hands and all of that. But, you know, just going through the airport, getting on the plane, using the bathroom, you realize how difficult it is. To, uh, to not touch anything, not touch your face. This is a very, this is a very difficult thing to do, and uh, so I can see why the why the virus spreads so easily. And I think every day we we are more aware of all these things and how this outbreak is is affecting us and impacting all of us, and how we're changing different things to deal with it. Uh, meanwhile, USDA says it's getting ready for possible staff disruptions and uh, also looking at the possibilities of more food aid. What what are you hearing there? Yes, uh, well, I would say that when I got back last night, I found the city to be in an absolute dither about what to do about this. They're talking about Congress taking a break of several weeks. They're supposed to take a one-week break next week. Uh, but the biggest thing that people are worried about is low-income people getting food. What's going to happen to low-income children if they don't get school lunch? And so the, the Agriculture Department has asked the states to apply for waivers for those school districts where they close down. And they would then have uh, feeding programs. Uh, but unlike what they would normally do in which the children would be required to come and eat in a certain place, 
Instead, they would probably have what they call grab-and-go lunches. Uh, but it's so important for these kids to get food because so, for the, for the low-income ones, uh, this is often the only food that they get during the day. And so in some cases, they're getting breakfast, they're getting lunch, and maybe even an after-school snack. So, uh, so this is very important. The other thing they're worried about is these people called uh, ABOD, able-bodied adults without dependents, uh, who are getting the, um, uh, the food stamps. And this, of course, this includes veterans, some of whom are homeless, and the Trump administration is supposed to tighten up the rules on this. The, the, the rule is supposed to go into effect so that 700,000 people would lose their benefits in about three weeks. Uh, now the Congress is worried uh, what's going to happen to these people. And so they're urging the administration not to put this uh, rule into effect. The administration doesn't seem to want to stop the rule. But they're saying the states can uh, the states can alter it. The states can can use what they call good cause, so that these people would still be able to get benefits. But that you know, it's the, the concern really is about how poor poor people are going to get food in the coming months. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report from Washington D.C. And Jerry. We're also watching the story on the uh, decision by the administration on small refinery exemptions and whether or not they're going to appeal that 10th Circuit Court ruling. They have a two-week delay now to, to kind of look at this, but really what that's going to do is uh, create more opportunity for both sides to intensify their lobbying uh, efforts. And I know that the biofuels industry today is certainly uh, doing that and uh, calling attention to this issue and urging the administration not to appeal the decision. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. Well, it is. And, you know, this the, this situation brings together two, two Trump constituencies that are in conflict. On the one hand, you have the oil industry and the oil workers, and they don't like ethanol, and they want to continue these small refinery waivers. And on the other hand, you have the farmers. And, uh, you know, Secretary Purdue went out on a limb when he said that he thought the administration wouldn't appeal this and that they would make the new rule nationwide. Well, the oil industry has gotten in there lobbying, and now it looks like they are going to appeal it. So, uh We'll, we'll have to see here, but for, for Trump, I would say this is a political crisis, especially with Joe Biden doing so well uh, in the polls and looking like he's going to get the nomination and uh, larger numbers of Democrats showing up uh, in the primary. Uh, so, so this is a real political, uh, political issue for Trump. They've been putting off a decision on this. They've been looking for a win-win, which doesn't seem like they're going to be able to find, and it's hard to believe they're going to find it in this two-week period. Uh, they've been putting it off, putting it off, but it's it's coming to a point now they're going to have to make a decision one way or another on this. Yes, uh, yes, I think that's right. And uh, I think the administration or, or President Trump's view on this is, well, I want to support the farmers, but there are more manufacturing workers, and I want to appeal to them. And then there are always so many people in the administration who have, who have had connections to the oil industry. Texas is a big state, and Senator Cruz is, has been very powerful. Um, so it looks like when it comes to a question between the two that he listens to the oil industry. Uh, but I haven't seen Senator Grassley say anything about this in the last few days. So we'll have to see what role he plays in this, too.
Well, he made it clear to us uh, this week that uh, he's been in touch uh, with several folks in the administration and let them know he's not happy. Uh, he's trying to put a positive light on it, saying this delay gives them a chance for them to change their mind and not appeal it. But uh, we will see. That That's an optimistic view at this point. So we'll see what happens. Jerry, I'll let you get back to the hearing. Thanks for being with us. Okay, you're welcome. Talk to you again soon. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. So is the coronavirus outbreak impacting our meat exports? We'll talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation next here on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are. But I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, let's take a look at the dairy sector. What's your outlook for dairy in 2020? If you would have asked me a couple months ago, Mike, I would have had a, well, we probably did ask a couple months ago, and and my outlook has changed. I I think that uh, we've seen price weakness hit these markets in in the last month. We're moving into the spring flush. Milk production, while it's slowed, is, is, is quick to respond to higher prices. And so, you know, back in December, when we were looking at dairy margin coverage, the probability of that program triggering was very, very low. And I just looked at the, the information a couple of days ago, and now we're looking at a greater probability of that program kicking in. So when I look at milk prices, when I look at dairy markets, I, I really hope that farmers have got some DMC coverage. I hope they laid on some dairy revenue protection coverage last year when milk prices were at their highest level since 2014, because I do foresee lower prices on the horizon. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. 
Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. So as you just heard, uh, things in Washington, D.C. are very much centered on the coronavirus situation. Looking at both the ways to deal with it from a health standpoint and from an economic standpoint. And each day that goes by, it seems to impact um, things more and more as far as our daily lives and our movement and where we go and uh, and the precautions we need to take. We continue to look from an agricultural standpoint at how the virus is Im- impacting our trade and the business we're doing around the world. Joining us now is Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, thank you for joining us. Uh, is the coronavirus outbreak impacting our meat exports at this point. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, pleasure to be on. And, and yes, to answer your question, uh, the coronavirus issue, uh, it, uh, as we all know, is a factor globally. Uh, we had the first, uh, you know, the, the news came really across in China as the first market impacted in January. And by the end of January, early February, uh, there was quite a bit of activity in regards to uh, uh, quarantine options in China. And since in February, we've seen major markets like Japan and Korea impacted as well. But I have to say, uh, overall, uh, the demand for U.S. beef and pork products in general has been quite uh, quite resilient. Uh, uh, the it's forced the markets to adapt. And I'll give you a good example. As you can imagine, food service demand in public settings and restaurants is off, uh, in some cases big. In China, it was off quite a bit. But what we've seen is, um, one example would be that in order order to survive, some of these restaurants uh, in places like China in particular have developed online platforms to deliver their meals to the public um, outside the restaurant. So it might be to a, a delivery point in a residence or an area uh, near near a highly residential heavy area within the city. So you know, I think that's one example where you know change has been forced in terms of consumption habits, and uh, you know, meat is still being uh, consumed. And the flip side is, of course, if food service off, that means people are eating more at home. The retail business in a lot of these countries, uh, China. Uh, Japan, Korea, retail business is booming. So, uh, you know, it's it's not all good news, but it's not all bad news either. We do see some really good trends emerging in this very uncertain time. 
what about dock workers and things? We've heard about, you know, ships not being able to be unloaded and things like that. What are we seeing in the supply chain as far as that impact? Yeah, the supply chain uh, has been a challenge. And, uh, you know, the if you look back to Chinese New Year, the 1st of February, basically, uh, normally the dock, a lot of the major ports, they're not closed, but they're virtually closed with skeleton crews for the new year. So about the time these quarantine actions took place in China, it was right after Chinese New Year, uh, into early February, mid-February. And it was a challenge at that point. But honestly, uh, from, from that point on, let's say from mid-February on, with each day, uh, that we progressed into now early March, the situation has improved. More and more people are getting back to work. Uh, more and more uh, flow of cargo has been happening. Uh, the reports we're having now is that several of these ports are back to normal. There's still some that have congestion and are backed up, but uh, it's much better than it was and, and getting much, much closer to normal. Here we are, you know, roughly a month after that time. So now, there is backlog. There is, you know, the pipeline. It's a global pipeline for this these container ships and for this cargo. There are reports on parts of the world and, and, and some surcharges being being uh, charged on some of these containers. So it's not a perfect environment. But quite honestly, this sort of stuff goes on virtually all the time at some point or some part of the world with container flow. So I, I wouldn't say it's anything out of the ordinary from that perspective. And like I said, uh, part of the reason that we're seeing uh, shortages and, and for containers is that we have record exports going on. And uh, no better example than pork going to China uh, in the month of January with the stats that just came out. Uh, we have a record flow of cargo going out of the country. So part of the reason that we're seeing challenges on some of the logistics is that we have record volumes going out of the U.S., we're talking with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. So, Dan, uh, even with the, the challenges from the coronavirus, sounds like uh, all things considered that uh, the meat exports are going well. What what about Japan? We we heard about the early success with the U.S.-Japan trade deal. Can you bring us up to date there? Yeah, Japan is the uh, first month of data, January, with a new agreement in place. We're seeing some, some good trend lines. Um, Overall, the, the numbers in total for the export data were down slightly. We're down 4% on, on uh, pork and beef was, uh, make sure on the beef number, down just a couple percent. But that's a little bit misleading because those are total numbers. If you break it down by category, the chilled business, which is really the focus of U.S. beef and pork, is up in both cases. Uh, and in the case of uh, a pork, uh, a f- one frozen segment, the seasoned ground pork, which is a huge uh, segment of business, uh, rebounded uh, to record levels. So in those cases, chilled and the frozen seasoned ground pork, we're, we're seeing the benefits of the free trade agreement already. So, you know, uh, we anticipate going forward, uh, you know, later into the spring and, and summer that we're going to see uh, more and more uh, uh evidence of that free trade agreement paying off immediately. You know, Dan, I think when you look at the start of this year, who would have thought, you know, you couldn't predict something like the coronavirus happening, but uh, with the numbers you're reporting, unless something dramatically changes, I mean, if you come through this 
uh, storm now, I think you would be on track. It would seem to be have quite a year for exports. Well, uh, yeah, we, we are predicting a record year for uh, pork, for sure, and, and beef as well. Um, but we do have uh, record production as well. So um, that's part of the reason. But you're exactly right. I mean, in this environment, with all the uncertainty day-to-day, uh, coronavirus and, and, and other issues, um, it's hard to predict. But the baseline fundamentals of supply and demand would indicate that, that we, we are well-positioned, uh, the U.S. is, as a supplier of, of beef and pork. Uh, because, let's be honest, uh, the, the situation in China specifically with protein, when, when the smoke clears, um, they're still short a tremendous amount of pork from where they were a year ago due to African swine fever. And, uh, you know, that, that's not, that, that has not changed. A lot of this other stuff is influencing demand and prices, et cetera, at the moment, but the underlying fundamentals haven't changed. So for, for that reason, uh, I'm not saying it's not going to be volatile. It probably is. Uh, we see it every day in the markets, but uh, the baseline fundamentals are positive uh, for, uh, for continued growth in exports. You know, that's a good point. I mean, our focus, obviously, uh, right now needs to be and is on the coronavirus. But as we get through this and we kind of get things hopefully back to normal uh, soon, we go back to that the issue we were dealing with before this, and that was, as you said, the African swine fever and what it the uh, the what it's done to that uh, uh, swine herd in China. The demand it would seem is there the pent up demand for protein and the need for protein there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're exactly right. And one other thing, I don't want to. Uh... I don't want to downplay the impact on beef as well. It's not just a pork issue. This is a protein shortage globally. So beef is well positioned as well. And uh, and as it turns out, the beef situation in the U.S. is also very positive uh, for the reasons just discussed. But also um, a bit of tailwind that we might have there is that the Australian numbers are down, and the available beef supply to export out of Australia is down due to drought, due to the fires, due to the cyclical nature of their business. So I think that's another aspect that uh, will probably enhance demand for U.S. beef uh, in some of these key export markets as well. All right, Dan, good to talk with you again. Thanks for the update. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Well, coming up next, Arlen Suderman from INTL FC Stone joins us. We have some uh, new numbers out uh, from uh, USDA yesterday, the WASD numbers. Not a lot in that report, not a lot of change anyway, but we'll get Arlen's assessment and his ongoing assessment of the coronavirus and the impact on uh, commodity markets and what we're seeing as far as trade and markets around the world. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA.
there's more than one way to measure success. Knowing how to measure success on your soybean acres, that's smart. In 2019, trials across 10 Midwest states, Credend Soybeans with Liberty Link GT27 averaged 1.8 bushels per acre more than the competitive Enlist E3 soybeans and 1.5 bushels per acre more than the competitive Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. So plant your sign of success. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Credence with Liberty Link GT27. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Did you ever ride your bike with a clothespin and a baseball card? Or use a typewriter for a school paper? Then here's a timely alert. Americans born from 1945 to 1965 are five times more likely to have hepatitis C, which often has no symptoms, but is a leading cause of liver cancer. The good news? Treatments are available that can cure hepatitis C. Talk with your doctor about getting a blood test for hepatitis C. Know for sure. A message from the CDC. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Stocks declining early Wednesday as investor anxiety about the economic fallout from the coronavirus outbreak left the markets poised for another volatile day. The lead-up to yesterday's WASDE report from USDA overshadowed by coronavirus-related market turmoil. Grain futures at the Board of Trade had a mix showing in overnight trade. We've got a mix early on this Wednesday. Soybeans deriving some momentum from export sales. USDA saying that exporters purchased 194,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for delivery to unknown destinations on top of earlier reported sales this week. Livestock futures at the Merck returning to their downtrend after yesterday's gains. USDA raised its pork and beef export expectations in yesterday's WASDE report, but macro concerns like coronavirus and other oil price issues appear to be weighing down livestock on this Wednesday. An hour in for the grain and oil seed sector, May soybeans up four and a quarter at eight eighty and a half. November eight ninety four and a quarter up two and three quarters. May corn down a penny at three seventy six and a half. December down a penny and a half at three seventy nine. Chicago wheat may down four and a half at five seventeen and three quarters. Kansas City wheat may down two at four forty two and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat may up a quarter of a cent. Near unchanged at five eighteen and a half. Livestock at the Merck. April live cattle down fifty seven at one hundred four eighty five. April feeder cattle down seventy seven at one twenty seven seventeen. April lean hogs down thirty at sixty four seventy. The Dow down eight hundred fifty five points. Crude oil down seventy nine cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. WASDE numbers yesterday, uh, they didn't make many changes, did they? Yeah, let's see if we have Arlen. There you are. Okay, Arlen, go ahead. Can you hear me, Arlen, okay? We're making a connection right now with him. Okay. Uh, we had a phone uh, issue. He, uh, We lost him. So uh, just stand by here. In about uh, 10 seconds, we'll have him. Okay, so we're working on getting reconnected with Arlen Sudman. Want to go over the WASDE numbers yesterday, that report. Not a lot of changes there. We'll talk about that and uh, look at the ongoing uh, coronavirus impact on on the markets. And Arlen has uh, contacts uh, with people around the world, so we want to be able to check in with him and get the, his what he is hearing from those uh, connections around the world and these different markets, certainly we continue to there's a lot being made about the uh, stock market we also want to certainly look at the impact on the commodity markets and and what is going on there so as we continue to wait for arlen suderman to join us a reminder coming up in our next segment we're in talk with kurt blades with the association of equipment manufacturers as we will be uh, looking at the very latest just released uh, ag equipment sales numbers from the month of february arlen and, is uh, with us right now mike we monitor those numbers uh, each month. All right, so Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with INTLFC Stone, is with us. Arlen, thanks for being with us. Uh, I was just saying, not much change uh, in the WASDE report out yesterday. Yeah, it's kind of a cut and paste uh, by USDA, and uh, I would say kind of punting some of the changes down the road, waiting to see how coronavirus uh, will play out, as well as the Phase 1 uh, trade deal. All of that's related and uh, just choosing not to make any changes until they know more. So we're kind of in a holding pattern, kind of a, a wait and see then. Well, we really are. We're getting close to the end of the wheat marketing year, so they're running out of time on that. Fortunately, they're pretty close, I think, on the supply and demand estimates for the current marketing year on wheat, but we could be looking at some significant changes for corn and soybeans. Uh, depending on how coronavirus plays out and how the phase one trade deal plays out. 
And uh, so that means the last uh, few months of the market year may see a lot of changes in it, uh, creating more market volatility. Uh, it's not like we need any more of that. Yeah, we're we're dealing with the unknowns here. I think each day we wake up and we hope to hear news of uh, that they're getting it under control and we're having you know containment of it. But each day so far we get up and we hear about more cases, more outbreaks, more steps being taken. So uh, we just don't know how long this may go on. It, that's really true. And as, as I've studied the coronavirus, I said, uh, goodness, about five, six weeks ago, that the biggest threat from coronavirus is not going to be the, the death toll, but it'll be the fear. It's the type of virus that creates fear in the public, and that tends to create fear in politicians and central bank officials and everyone else who wants to try to solve the problem. We tend to shut down economies, and when you do that, then you seriously negatively impact demand for commodities. And I I know I hear from farmers all the time, well, people still have to eat. But when we eat at home, our eating habits are different than when we eat out. And we're in a culture today that's largely built on eating out. And when we eat at home, we we tend to eat less. We have less food waste if we have food left over, we put it in the refrigerator, pull it out the next day for leftovers versus at a restaurant where we tend to get larger portions and whatever we don't eat goes back to the kitchen and is thrown away. Plus, we tend to eat more meat when we eat out than when we eat at home as well. So some of those patterns change. On the energy side, of course, if airlines cancel flights, which they're doing, people don't drive as much, don't go to conferences, etc. That's fuel or energy consumption that won't happen, and that tends to impact then the biofuels industry as well. You know, I was thinking we've we've talked before about a lot of people aren't aware if we had a, a, a major animal disease outbreak in this country, how it would impact so many different things that people wouldn't even be thinking about. Well, now we're seeing it on a, a human side as far as this coronavirus, and I don't know that many people anticipated all the different ways it would impact our daily lives, our economy, but we're seeing it play out now each day. We really are. And uh, when it was in China, it was easy for us in our mind to think, well, that's China. Well, China, you know, when SARS was an epidemic, China accounted for 3 to 4% of world GDP. Now our economies are so intertwined with China, which represents one-fifth of the world's GDP. But now Europe is the new China for coronavirus. China is moving past the coronavirus, which gives us some hope, some positive uh, ideas that this is something that does tend to go through a phase and then move on. Um, But now Europe is the hot spot. Uh, when will the United States be the hotspot? We're seeing more cases every day in the United States. Uh, so it's this unknown that has everyone afraid, quit changing their daily routines, and that impacts so many different things, including agriculture. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. So what do you make of the commodity market response and reaction to the virus? Well, I would separate that into a couple categories. Uh, one would be the energy sector, which is hurting demand. Uh, we saw uh, the demand projections, global demand projections for the coming year reduced again dramatically today. 
And then on top of that, then we have Saudi Arabia and Russia tending to go into a, a price war and see who can dump more oil onto the market. Um, so that's definitely having a negative impact on the biofuel sector. But when you look at the ag portion of it directly, the grain and oilseed sector and the livestock sector, they have definitely felt the pain of the coronavirus as far as the funds uh, when fear is high on Wall Street. And I measure that by the VIX. When it's over 30, it's hard for any asset unless it's a safe haven asset to sustain a rally. So they've taken a hit there in the risk to uh, rush to safety. But they've really survived it much better than many of the broader markets. And that gives us some reason for hope. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, any type of a rally while fear is high, but it does mean that once we move past this, maybe we have a better foundation to build on going forward, um, particularly if China comes in with phase one agreements, which they are starting to do. So I tend to see the glass is half full, but I think it's going to take some time for this to unfold. All right. So when we turn to things like uh, planting and trying to figure out uh, acreage, uh, we're going to be getting that planning intentions report. What are you thinking as far as corn and bean acres at this point? Well, I've been at 94 million acres of corn and 86 million acres of soybeans. Um, I may be a little bit light on the corn side and heavy on the soybeans. And we're reworking that today and going through some of those numbers once again to see what adjustments we want to make. It's a little bit sobered by the Farm Futures Survey, which showed uh, that's a producer survey, 96.6 million acres of corn and just 80.6 million acres of soybean. Uh, that, to me, seems light. The Farm Futures has had a good track record over the years. Uh, Bryce Knorr, who I used to work with, uh, did that survey for many, many years. I, I don't want to be critical of the current person who's doing it because they're a great statistician, but it still comes back to interpreting results, and I simply don't know record for the new person doing that survey, um, but it does suggest that there is some risk that we will have more corn acres and, and maybe considerably fewer soybean acres. That would obviously be good for the soybean market, if true, um, but not so for the corn market. All right, I keep asking you about this. What are you seeing and hearing as far as uh, grain movement uh, coming out of storage? Uh, it's been slow. We've got some low-quality corn that's coming out, and so in, uh, the resellers are having to try to find homes for it. We have been making some progress, as you know, in the northern plains of, of uh, getting some corn out of the field uh, as conditions allow. And, it's, you know, there's been some good results and good yields and some decent test weights. Test weights have come up a little bit, but there's also been a lot of 42 to 52 test weight corn. Um, and... Uh, a lot of that is being trucked all the way down uh, or railed down to uh, Kansas and Texas to feed in feedlots. Um, some of the better of the low test weight is going to ethanol plants, and uh, uh, it's it just been a tough year. But overall, movement is still rather slow. Farmers holding out for open for higher prices and living on their market facilitation payments. And real quick, what do you see coming out of uh... – South America and it, the impact we're seeing there. Obviously, it's their time of year. That's their selling season. Yeah, it certainly is, and the crop fields look good right now. There are isolated problem areas; they're not significant, um, but their cheap currencies are really killing us right now. The currency exchange rate is huge right now, and keeping us from being competitive. All right, you see any kind of a market bounce coming here anytime soon? 
Uh, bounces, yes, but sustained rallies not until or unless we see coronavirus headlines disappear on a daily basis and start seeing more buying from China. Yep. Again, we're waiting on another event to pass and see what follows that. We've been doing that a lot uh, for quite some time now. Arlen, always good to talk with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Well, each month we take a look at the ag equipment sales numbers, kind of a good gauge of how uh, the ag economy is and producer attitudes. We have the very latest numbers from the month of February, and Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers will join us to give us those numbers. That's coming up next here on AOA. There's more than one way to measure success. Knowing how to measure success on your soybean acres? That's smart. In 2019 trials, Credenz CZ1859 GTLL had a 2.9 bushel per acre advantage over a competitive Asgrove variety in South Dakota. So plant your sign of success. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Credenz for a precise variety that fits your field. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today. 800-745-3327. 800-745-3327. Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. Cenex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, 
Cenex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now don't spend all that free time in one place unless it's the highway. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the push to get an ag labor bill passed continues. The work is being done in the Senate. Jim Baer, president and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association, joins us now to bring us up to date. Jim, thanks for being with us. We've been watching this for some time. You got legislation passed in the House. Now you're working in the Senate. Give us an update. How close are you to getting something done there? Republicans and Democrats in the Senate are working together to write their own version of a bill. It'll be different than the House bill, but in any case, they're working, and we're working with our friends in other segments of agriculture, not just specialty crops like potatoes and fruits and vegetables, but also the segments of agriculture that need year-round labor, like dairy farms and hog confinements, and they've never had a legal means of using immigrant labor. President Trump has recently acknowledged that the U.S. needs immigrant workers. In fact, he hires immigrants for his farm in Virginia. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we have the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Joining us now is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's uh, give those numbers from February. What did we see? Well, we uh, we kind of saw a mixed bag. Uh, you know, February is not necessarily always a, a super strong month for equipment sales. But we did see some softness in uh, in some of the areas and some strongness in in, in others. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, over 40 horsepower tractors and articulated four wheel drive, we saw an increase uh, year over year, and that's actually you know showing an increase uh, for the year, uh, not just the month of February, but year to date. So we're pretty happy about those numbers. 
But some of the other categories like combines and uh, uh, smaller tractors, we saw, saw a little bit of decline uh, starting off this year. So it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag right now. So you mentioned February. That's you know usually not your strongest month. Uh, but March, now we're starting to get uh, closer to uh, planting time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what your March numbers are. Uh, what do you take from those February numbers, though? What's, what's your takeaway? Well, I think the big takeaway for March or for February is, you know, especially if you look at, you know, as a percentage, we're down about 20% in combines uh, compared to where we were this time last year. But you also have to think back to this time last year. We really had sold a ton of combines last year. So, again, so I think there's a, it's not all gloom and doom. We were off about 60 about 60 units in the month of February, which is you know, obviously a little bit, a little bit of concern here. But the real bright spot that I want to point out to your listeners is this: uh, 100 horsepower and above, and articulated four-wheel drive tractors, um, really showing some signs of life. Because if you also think back over the last 18 months, you know those have been a little bit more, those have been a little bit more tough. And and you know those are those are good good uh, row crop tractors and. And I think you can say that that's a that's an indication that farmers sort of feel that maybe this uh, the storm cloud that's been over the industry for the last little bit is is maybe has a few parts in it. And that's a that's a good thing. That's a, that's the things that I'm paying attention to right now. I guess that's what we look for each month: some signs of optimism, uh, some signs of hope that things are are improving. You bet. You bet. You bet. That's. Uh, I mean, as you know, you can't be a farmer without being an optimist and having having good faith that the uh, that the crops are going to grow. I mean, there's there's all kinds of indications around the around the market that uh, you know we're going to see some some uh, some positive direction on trade. You know, right now at this point, it's a little too too soon to tell what the crops are going to look like or even if we're going to get them in on time. But you know, the USDA. Uh, outlook was was remotely positive, and then most economic indications that we look at show you know, 2020 being you know not a not an awful year, but 2021 starting to look really really strong. So again, most farmers are in this for the long haul. So if they have to make a capital purchase decision, then then uh, you know maybe they'll make it this year, maybe they'll make it this year for this year, or this year for some time into the future. We continue to see interest rates being cut how much does that impact sales well as you know pieces of equipment are expensive and a lot of times financing is a is a big part of the uh big part of the picture and i know that i think we saw some some sales happen at the last part of last year directly related to you know some financing issues whether it was some lease uh some lease availability or some lease timing I think we'll, we'll really look at it. Those interest rates begin to get more attractive. I think you could see some demand being spurred, absolutely, because it's just it's it's cheap money, and it and it makes a whole lot of sense for a farmer to upgrade uh, their equipment to to you know take advantage of some of that technology that provides more efficiency. We know the numbers have have really struggled in Canada. Has that continued in February? Mm-hmm. Canada is a different story. When I talk about the United States, you know, there's a mixed bag. In Canada, it's just pretty sad up there. I mean, the the, the equipment sales have been, you know, we're continuing to be, you know, below the five-year average in in all categories, and you know, all indications are the Canadian farm market's just it's pretty tough up there right now. So our heart goes out to those farmers that are struggling, and uh, you know, we we hopefully see some some turnaround. Obviously, you know, trade affects them the same way it, tra- it affects it, it affects us. So there's softness across the board. I mean, we're seeing you know 20% reduction in uh, uh, under 40 horsepower tractors and 
and uh, you know, 30% reduction in uh, in 100 plus horsepower tractors. But on the flip side, we saw a little bit of a bump in the articulated four-wheel drive in the Canadian market. So that's some of those big, big row crop uh, acres up in up in Canada. Maybe they're starting to shake loose, uh, uh, you know, some optimism. So that's uh, so that's some that's some good news, at least for the month of February up there. We're talking with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, uh, we always break it down by uh, horsepower and, and, you know, combines and tractors. But you break it down by parts of the country. Do you look at, uh, uh, you know, the Midwest or the West or the Northern Midwest? Do you break it down that way as well? You know, we, we don't put that in our in our report, you know, geographically. But you know, it it just goes without saying. As as the ag market goes in, in various regions, you know, there's some there's some real strong points out there. Row crops in in the Midwest has uh, you know they've they've been a little bit a uh, little bit difficult for the last couple of years. But then there's other areas, uh, you know, since animal agriculture for the last couple of years has been pretty pretty strong, and that reflects in some of those other categories. So you know, I think geographically matters, but also the segments in which the uh, the tractors are sold makes a makes a pretty big difference. Well, it sounds like when you look at 2020, you're hoping for maybe some modest gains, improvement, but you're really gearing towards 2021? I would say that we want to hold our own in 2020. If we end up, uh, you know, you know, at a, at a you know, little bit above last year, I think that I think we consider that a good year. Now, our manufacturers are telling us that they're, they're getting their, uh, their supply to match up with where the demand is. So, you know, you've got strong strong used prices and strong new prices, which really help a farmer's bottom line. So I think there's a lot of, you know, good business decisions that are being made, you know, across the whole ag industry right now, because, you know, we got some short memories uh, or we, we got long memories. We know that, uh, um, you know, when, when ag economy is tough and, uh, you know, a farmer wants to be sure that they got their, they're taking care of their bottom line. And, you know, we're, we're certainly an important part of that bottom line consideration. All right, Kurt, as always, thanks for the update. We'll talk again next month. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. All right, you too. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That wraps it up for today. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day and join us again tomorrow right here on Adams on Agriculture. There's more than one way to measure success. Knowing how to measure success on your soybean acres? That's smart. In 2019 trials, Credenz CZ0419GTLL had a 2.3 bushel per acre advantage over a competitive Asgro variety in North Dakota. So plant your sign of success. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Credenz for a precise variety that fits your field. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.